Thank you for being here today at Joy Church. We're continuing a series that we started last week called Crazy, Keeping It Together When Life Falls Apart. Have you ever had a day, or maybe a week, or maybe a couple years, where you just said, this is crazy, right? This is crazy. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go from here. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to pray. I don't have any answers, but things are just falling apart. It's crazy, right? I shared last week about Bethany and I going to the bottom of Bailey Hill, and there we are. We don't have a job. We don't have a plan. We got three kids in the back. It's raining, and the transmission goes out, and we limp mode into the parking lot of Super Taco and Rent-A-Center, and the prices were a little high at Rent-A-Center, so we didn't try to rent a transmission or anything, but, uh, and, and life just went crazy. We talked about David last week, how there was options that he had. He could have, he could have uh, joined into the crazy, he could, have, uh, he could have given into the crazy, he could have run away, but he didn't. He dug in, he found strength in God. We talked about finding our place in God. How many of you were here last week, got something out of that? Well, we're continuing in this series today, crazy, keeping it together when life falls apart. When you get to those moments in life where you just don't have any answers, you don't know what to do, and you're, you're looking for hope, you're looking for a place of security, and that's what we're going to look at. And we're going to jump into the Word. But I want to tell you a story. And, and last week I kind of told you a heavy story. It was a serious story. Today I'm going to go the opposite direction and tell you about a crazy dog that I had named Baloo. I think we have a picture of Baloo. Can we make that massive dog appear behind me? Ben? Oh, there's Baloo. Did anybody ever meet Baloo, Medford, Matt and Jen? Okay. So Baloo was a dog that was in deep need of therapy. <laughs> Bethany comes across, we were working at Joy Church in Medford, and she comes across, uh, went across the street one day, heard my brother Johnny, which was a bad move, to the Humane Society. And so I said, we're not getting a dog, Bethany. And she's like, oh yeah, no, totally, no, we're not getting a dog. Gentlemen, don't send a woman with a good heart to the Humane Society or an adoption agency because you will be getting a kid or a dog if they go, right? And so she comes back and she's like, there's this cute dog and he put his paws up on the, the fence and he was looking at me like, please adopt me. So I'm like, no, no, no. Finally, she wore me down. She's like, I will divorce you if we don't get this dog. Okay, fine. I'm just playing. But uh, we go across, we get Baloo and he's, he's the sweetest dog. You can see he's a big fur ball. He's a, a sheep dog. And Baloo, though, we, we came to find out had some pretty severe uh, issues in his life. So we get him at first, he makes absolutely no noise. The dog is completely silent, which to me was a positive, right? Then all of a sudden, a couple years later, he's never made a sound. A, a siren goes by, an ambulance, and you go, and all of a sudden we hear this howling. And I'm looking at Bethany like, what are you doing, you know? She's looking at me, and then we're like, did a dog, is there a dog around us? And then we go, we look in the back seat, and here's our dog, Baloo, who's never made a sound. Complete howling at the top of his lungs. So he found out he does actually have the ability to make sound. We just never heard him do it before. The very first day that we get this dog, we're trying to get him in the back. We had a Jeep Cherokee, so it's a little bit high to get him into the, the luggage area, but not that big of a deal. And he's not an old dog, so we're like, okay, hop in there, you know, and he doesn't do it. So I'm, you know, ingloriously lifting him up, you know, pushing on a dog rear end and trying to get him into the vehicle. So we think, okay, we have a crippled dog. He's a crippled mute dog. Then later, we tie him up, about two years later, we tie him up uh, to a stake. We're camping, and we look over, and I, I see Baloo, and he's about six feet in the air. Straight up, he's jumping straight up in the air, and so we think he can't move at all, but he can jump six feet in the air, and he's this crazy athletic dog, so we, we figure this out a couple years later. 
I mean, he just had mental issues. He would know literally days before the 4th of July that it was coming. And he would go hide in the closet with his tail between his legs. He had like a Harry Potter closet that we had him live in. And uh, if you don't know the reference to that, go read Harry Potter or something. Unless you think it's demonic and then don't. But I've, as your pastor, I've looked through it and it's okay for you to read it. And, uh, and so we put Baloo in his Harry Potter closet and that's where he lived and he would get scared. Well, one week, Baloo, he would always punish us if we were gone. Anybody have a dog that does that? They're mad at you. You're like, how dare you leave me? I'm your responsibility. You adopted me from the Humane Society. So we went to work at this Microsoft trade show. We did this with the internship that we were directing, and we would work incredibly long hours. And I remember in about a seven-day period, I worked about 90 hours, 90-plus hours. And I come home on a Saturday. I am bone tired. You're ever so tired, you can't even see straight, right? I am exhausted. And there's Baloo, and he's mad at us, you know, glaring at us for being gone, even though we put him in a nice place or had somebody watch him or something. And Baloo's angry at us. And, and I'm like, I hope he doesn't do anything crazy, but I, I just, I have to get some rest. And I'm actually going to preach the next day at church. So I go to bed about five or six at night. I mean, just exhausted. And as I lay my head down on the pillow, I catch the faintest whiff of dog doo doo. And I'm like, no, I, I, I mean, just the faintest whiff. So I just shake it off and I go to sleep. And I have a really, really good sense of smell. So four in the morning, I'm, a, I'm awoken. Is that the right grammar? I'm awakened. I, I come out of a deep, exhausted sleep with the most potent, disgusting dog poop smell that is literally, it feels like it's on top of me. I'm just going to be honest with you. And I, I'm like, what the heck? And so I you know, basically fall down the stairs and I open the closet and there's Blue and he has a smirk on his face. I kid you not, dogs can smirk. And he's sitting there smirking at me, this dog right here, smirking at me and he has gone to the bathroom, down the vent. And I just about fell over because I was like, this is the last thing I want to deal with. This is crazy. Baloo, I knew you were crazy. What the heck is happening? You ever heard that expression when the when it hits the fan? We were living that at four in the morning. And so there I am at four in the morning. I have to preach, you know, I have to, I have to do my best to, to give the, the word of God at church that day. And I'm, I have my arm all the way down a floor vent cleaning dog diarrhea out of a floor vent, and that was one of those moments that I just wish I hadn't, wasn't having to deal with, right? You, you ever have those kind of moments? This is beyond the, the, the normal, everyday, having to deal with things. Sure, I understand dogs have accidents from time to time. This dog was on a mission to ruin my life, though, and he'd gone down the vent, and it was just absolutely crazy. It was, it was beyond the scope of what I wanted to handle at that moment. There I was at 4 in the morning having to clean this up. And that's a funny story. You know, that's just one of those stories where, like, okay, big deal. You had to clean up after your dog. But as we talked about last week, sometimes it goes to the darker side, doesn't it? And your, your spouse is, is sick. Or maybe your kids uh, have, a, have a problem with drugs. Or maybe you lost your job, or maybe you're sick, or maybe you got a bad diagnosis. I don't know what it is, but sometimes life is just crazy, and it's beyond the normal. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's outside of the, the realm of normal. And as we, we talked about last week, Jesus actually spoke to these moments, these crazy times 
2,000 years ago. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. The storms of life, Jesus says, will come. It doesn't say if the wind and the rain comes. It's when the rain and the wind comes. Come on. Well, I'm a Christian. I received Jesus. That means bad things aren't going to happen. That's not true. Storms are going to come. The scripture says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Being a Christian doesn't guarantee you a safe and easy and comfortable go of things. You're still living in a broken, fallen world. People still get sick. Cars still break down, right? Bodies break down. Marriages have trouble. Come on, somebody. Things just get crazy. But Jesus said, look, there's something you can do. There's a place you can put your life that will keep you safe through the storm. That maybe doesn't take away the crazy around you, but preserves you in the midst of that. He says, if you listen to my teachings and you build your life on me, I'm the rock. It's like building your house on the rock. It'll get you through the crazy. You're going to find our place in God. Last week we talked about King David in that crazy moment where he found his strength in God. He found his place. He anchored his life. And this is the theme verse for this series. When the floods come. When the crazy comes, Jesus says, crazy's coming. Maybe you're not looking for it. It's looking for you. It will come. Where is your life built? Is it built on the rock or is it built on the sand? And we talked a little bit about this last week, but there's three ways that we tend to deal with crazy situations. Three ways we tend to deal with storms. The first one is you can join in. And that's the person like somebody wants to fight you. You're taking your gloves off and you're ready to go. If it gets crazy, I'm going crazy, right? You join it. That's how you are, right? You never met an argument you didn't like. You're the kind of person that gets a ticket, you're guilty, you still go and argue just for the fun of it, right? It, it gets crazy in marriage and your wife saying something to you, so you're going to go right back and elevate it and take it up a notch. Any join in people here? Okay, a few of us, yeah, we like to join in when it gets crazy. How about those that give in? Things go crazy and you just say, I'm done, I'm out, I'm just going to give in, whatever, not my problem, I'm just giving in, I'm going to get depressed, maybe I'll be cynical, I'm going to sit here and complain about all my options to vote for and just stand back and and just nitpick at everyone else, but I'm just giving in because things are crazy, right? And I'm not saying this is bad or good, we just all live in one of these places. Or you're the person that runs away, things get tough, gets crazy, a storm comes, maybe marriage... Uh, You wake up after a year and you realize that you're married to an actual human being with flaws, right? And and idiosyncrasies. And and all of a sudden, it gets kind of tough and you realize that it's not all a honeymoon. And then, you know, maybe it's time to put some work into the marriage, but that's not what you do because when things get crazy, you just get going. You run away, right? Anybody else like that? So you join in, maybe you you give in, you just kind of give in to the crazy. I'm just going to roll with it, whatever, or you run away. But there's a different strategy that we can do with Christ in our life and our life built on him, which is we can dig in to our relationship with God. We can have a storm proof life, not negating the storm, but allowing us to to persevere and make our way through the crazy. We can dig in. I want to tell you a story this morning. We're going to spend the rest of the message here talking about a man from the scripture named Joseph. And the Bible starts 
talking about Joseph in the book of Genesis, and he's a 17-year-old boy, or a 17-year-old young man. He's a dreamer. God gives him dreams. He has these great dreams, and he, he tells us that he's his, the Bible tells us that Joseph is his father Jacob's favorite. He was born to Jacob in his old age. He was kind of like the apple of his eye. And, and so Jacob really favored his son Joseph, but Joseph had a bunch of other brothers, and you know, they didn't like the fact that he was dad's favorite kid, right? That he was daddy's pet. And his dad ends up giving him a coat of many colors, which was a sign of authority and respect and honor and blessing. He gives Joseph this coat of many colors. We've heard of Joseph in the technicolored uh, dream coat, right? And Joseph's wearing this coat of many colors, and that put a target on his back, right? And his brothers that already didn't like him were already upset at him, uh, already hated him. It even says that they hated him. They, that put a target on his back. So one day they're out, and they're, they're, they're shepherding. They're taking care of the flocks, and Jacob sends his son Joseph out to go and tell his brothers something, and he goes out there, and as they see him coming, he has a bright coat of many colors, right? So you can see him coming. Looks like a Liberace walking through the desert there. But Joseph comes strolling up. He's 17 years old, and I always see my brother Johnny. If you know my brother Johnny, he's like this just, he's like a human smile, right? It actually kind of makes me angry how happy and nice he is. I'm like, do you ever have a bad day? Even when he's mad, he's smiling, you know? So I see my brother Johnny wearing Liberace's coat, and this is Joseph. And he's coming up like, hey, guys, uh, dad wants to tell you that it's time to come home. You know, it's time for dinner or whatever. And they're like, we're going to kill him. That's the plan they come up with. This is the level that they despise their brother Joseph. And one of his brothers says, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. You're like, thanks. That's the voice of reason here. Right. You, know, you couldn't like come up with a better plan, like throw me in a pit. Maybe we do something else. They say, no, let's not kill him. Let's throw him in a pit. And his brother actually was thinking, I'll, I'll get him out later, maybe when everybody calms down. They throw him in this pit when he comes along. And they see Ishmaelite slave traders on their way from Canaan through the land of Palestine. They're on their way to Egypt, and they get this bright idea, let's sell our brother into slavery. Now, if you think that sounds crazy, if you've ever had siblings, I've actually considered selling my siblings <laughs> into slavery. I'm not kidding, you know, because when they're really bugging you, right? My little brother Johnny with that big smile, it's like, you're going to Egypt, my friend. You know, it's just to flood the bathroom. You know, that was really the thing that just pushed me over the edge. It's like, Johnny, can't you just put a towel down and soak up the water that you spilled? But no. And so there they are, and they say, we're going to sell Joseph. And they sell him to these Ishmaelite slave traders, and these guys end up taking Joseph to Egypt. And he gets sold to a man named Potiphar, who's the captain of the king's guard. He's a, a high official in the land of Egypt. And the Bible says that Joseph, it says the Lord was with him in that he began to succeed. Now you think, okay, being sold into slavery is a little bit more crazy than my dog pooping down an air vent. Uh, being sold into slavery and being removed from your family and thrown into a pit is a little bit more than anything I've faced in my life, even when it's gone pretty crazy. But here's Joseph, and he doesn't he doesn't join in the crazy. He doesn't give in to the crazy, and he doesn't run away. He begins to succeed. He digs into the Lord. It says the Lord was with Joseph, and he begins to have success in Potiphar's house. And so Potiphar sees that this kid, Joseph, is sharp. He sees that he's honorable, that he's respectful, and he elevates him until basically Joseph is second in command of Potiphar's house. He's, he's controlling everything. He's running the whole estate, running everything, and he catches the eye of Potiphar's wife. And she tries to seduce Joseph. She says, come on, why don't you sleep with me? And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. He tries to ignore her. But one day, she catches him alone, 
and she ripped his, his uh, garment off. We're like, whoa, PG-13. That's all I'm going to say. We'll stop there. And Joseph was the very first streaker for righteousness. <laughs> he, he leaves his cloak and he just takes off. You ever heard Ray Stevens? Oh, yes, they call him the streak. Fastest thing on two feet, right? I saw him there in the tomatoes. He weren't wearing nothing but a smile, right? Okay. That's your homework for this week. It's okay to laugh in church, yeah? And uh, Joseph takes off, and so it's kind of hard to explain why you're naked to your boss. You know, why are you running around the estate naked? Well, your wife actually tore my coat off, and here I am uh, wearing nothing but a smile. And she says, he tried to assault me, and so Potiphar, you know, is like enraged, and he, he has Joseph thrown in prison. And you go... Come on, because I imagine Joseph is thinking, I've been sold into slavery, I was thrown in a pit, I was taken out of a favorite position, now I've earned my way in Potiphar's house, I was pretty comfortable, things were going fairly well, and now it's going downhill again, and now I'm sitting here in prison, and he could have joined in, right? Could have given in, could have run away, not really in prison, I guess that option was taken away. But he didn't do that, and it says again, the Lord was with Joseph. And there in prison, he again worked hard. He again had a good attitude. He again was honoring to God and, 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 and people saw that in him. And the prison master saw that Joseph, that God was with him and he began to elevate his position until Joseph found himself in a position of influence and authority once more. Overseeing the other prisoners and overseeing the operations of the prison. And it's a theme in Joseph's life. He just continued to take these knocks and get back up and, and serve God and serve those around him. And one day, he's talking to this cupbearer, the Pharaoh's cupbearer, the, the king or emperor's cupbearer, and his baker, and he interprets dreams that they had. And these dreams come true, and the cupbearer is restored to Pharaoh, but he forgets about Joseph. He doesn't really put in a good word for him, but Joseph just remains, even though these other guys got out. One guy got, his head got off and executed, the other guy got put back in his position. And Joseph, again, is left and forgotten in the prison but one day, Pharaoh has a dream. And all of a sudden, it, it comes like a bolt out of the blue to the cupbearer. Oh, there's a guy in prison, this guy Joseph, this young guy that interprets dreams. He interpreted my dream and he tells Pharaoh. And Pharaoh brings Joseph and he says, this is the dream I had. And Joseph says, here's what it means. God gives him insight and wisdom into the meaning of Pharaoh's dream. It's a dream about a famine that's going to come to the land of Egypt. And there's going to be famine. There's going to be a, a time of prosperity for seven years. I know this is a lot of story. You guys with me? You with me? Okay. There's going to be a time of prosperity for seven years, followed by a time of famine. And so Joseph tells Pharaoh the, the meaning of his dream. And Pharaoh says, well, you're really smart. You can tell people what dreams mean. So what do you think we should do? And Joseph says, here's what we need to do. We need to take the, the seven years and gather all the grain and, and store it up, and then we'll have enough for when the famine comes. And they follow Joseph's advice. Pharaoh puts Joseph, in fact, from elevating him from prison all the way to second in command of the entire nation of Egypt. And Joseph finds himself in an incredible position. He's given a wife. He has sons. His, his life is completely turned around from the circumstances that he's come through. Because he handled the crazy in the appropriate way. He dug in to God. He didn't, he didn't join in. He didn't give in. He didn't run away. He stuck through and allowed God to bring him through. And now he finds himself as the second in command of the world's most powerful nation of the time. 
It'd be like being, it'd be like one of us being in, in prison somewhere in Oregon. All of a sudden you get pulled out and now you're told you're the vice president of the country or you're the secretary of state or whatever sort of a level that would equate to. But Joseph has brought this incredible rise and is placed in the second in command in the land of Egypt. That's not the end of the story. We'll finish it off here at the end of this message. But I want to talk about three lessons from Joseph's life. Three lessons from the life of Joseph. And we're going to go to Genesis chapter 39 and look at verse 1. And we'll have it up on the screen for you. But number one, the first lesson that we need to learn from the life of Joseph is we learn how to keep it together when life falls apart. How do we handle crazy? How do we handle these moments that we can't understand or don't know what to do? Is that we need to understand that God is with us in the midst of the crazy. God is with us. It says in Genesis 39, when Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. And it says in verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did, and he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Even though Joseph had been sold into slavery, even though he's now a slave in this Egyptian's house, it says God was with him. Let me just tell you what it means when somebody is with you. When someone is with you, it means they are for you. You know, when I say this is my wife Bethany, and I'm with her, and she's with me, that implies more than that we're just standing next to each other, right? There's a relationship here. There's depth in this relationship. I'm not just with my wife. I'm for my wife, which means when things go crazy, I will not leave her, nor will I forsake her. If she gets sick, I will stand with her. Think about the vows you make in marriage for richer, for poorer, in sickness or in health, till death do his part. What we're saying is when crazy comes, I've got your back. I'll be here by your side. When it says that the Lord was with Joseph, it doesn't just mean that God was sort of impartially observing from a distance. Oh, Joseph's going through some hard things. I'm sort of floating up here in the nether with the fat angel baby singing me songs. That's not what it means. God was with him. He was right there. I want you to think about Jesus. That God put himself in human flesh and came down to the world and was with us in the crazy. But not just here experiencing the crazy, but for us. Not just physically present, but enduring the shame and indignity and the pain of the cross to pay for our sins. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. We have a high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses because he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. Jesus didn't just come and sort of stand next to us. He was with us. He was for us. I want you to know that whatever's going on in your life that's crazy, God will be with you. And not just with you, but for you. Not impartial, but right there. He understands. He knows what it feels like to suffer. He understands and knows what it feels like to be thrown in a pit and sold into slavery. God was with Joseph and he will be with us. You think about the difficult moments in life when you walk into the doctor's office and you hear the little beep, 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 beep. And there's somebody that you love and they're laying in the bed. And in those moments when things are so broken and crazy and, and out of control and you don't know what to do, to know that your father is there. And he's not just with you, he's for you. And God was with Joseph in the midst of the crazy. And he was there in the pit. And he was there in Potiphar's house. And it says in Genesis uh, chapter 39 verse 21, But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. 
and showed him his faithful love. Wherever you find yourself, God, I'm, I'm in prison. God, I'm in a pit. God, I'm in, I'm in sickness. God, I, I'm in insolvency. God, I'm in a crazy moment. Wherever you find yourself, God was with Joseph. God will be with you. God doesn't, he doesn't step out when it gets uncomfortable. God doesn't step out when you've made mistakes. God doesn't, he doesn't check out when you've done something wrong. He's with you. He's for you. He was with Joseph in all of these places. He was with Joseph in the midst of the crazy. I want you to understand that when you anchor your life to Jesus Christ, that you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I thought about this one time. I thought about my brother. You know, I love my brother dearly, but there were moments when I wanted him to not stick close to me. It was like, I'm trying to, you know, hang out with my friend, beat it, beat it, beat it. But he's just right there. He's just like, you know, it was like white on rice. You know, he was sticking to me. Jink, you know, it's like, he was like one of those stretchy, uh, sticky things, like those stretchy hands, you know what I mean? And no matter where I went, it was just like, and there he was. And that's how God is with us. Sometimes I wish he wasn't a friend that stuck closer than a brother, because I want to do something wrong. Hey, God, I want to watch this thing I shouldn't have watched. Could you just go not look at, could you just go over there? No, I'm with you, right? When you anchor your life on Christ, he's with you through whatever you'll face. It's a wonderful aspect of our Christian faith. The hope that is within us, God's spirit dwells inside of us. He's with us and for us through everything, through anything, through the midst of the crazy. Number two, God uses the crazy. You know what I mean by the crazy? Can everybody think about what crazy means for you? And maybe you're not, you're not going through crazy right now, but there's been crazy in your life. God uses it, uses the crazy to soften us, to shape us, and then to sharpen us. He uses it to soften us. There's times when we need to be broken down. We, we, we did a series a couple weeks ago called Dangerous Prayers. And one of the dangerous prayers was the prayer, Break Me. How many of you are here for that message? That day, Break Me, you know, it was kind of hard to preach. You're like, I want everybody to come to church and really feel good and be excited. Our church is called Joy. Today feels like not very joyful because we're, we're praying this prayer, God, break me. But, you know, until we're broken, we can't be built, Right? And God uses the crazy. He uses the brokenness. See, Joseph, as a 17-year-old dreamer, had an incredible destiny ahead of him, but God had to soften him. There were, there were things that maybe God didn't make these things happen, but God used them to begin to soften Joseph, to begin to bring humility in Joseph's life. I just want to tell you right now, many of the things that I've gone through in my life that were tough and were hard and difficult, they softened me. They humbled me. They allowed me to see my weaknesses and my my sinfulness and, 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 and begin to, to, to know to rely on God, right? God will use the crazy to soften us. And then he uses it to shape us. He uses it to begin to, to form uh, us in the image of his son, Jesus, to begin to, to shape us into the, the kind of people that we were made to be so that we can do the kind of things that God made us to do. He begins to shape us, our, use our giftings, and, and use them in a right way, not for personal uh, gain, but for God's kingdom. And he shapes us, and then he sharpens us. He hardens us off so that we begin. Uh, there was a prophetic word given over my sister and I one time, which is weird. We were, we were there, and somebody said, uh, God, is, he's put both of you together, and together you are the point of a spear. This was many, many, many years ago. And he said, together you're the point of a spear that's going to pierce through hearts. And we were like, okay, cool, that sounds awesome. Yeah, we're the point of a spear. Didn't realize the process that it takes to make a hard spear point. You got to melt it down, right? A couple of times and get impurities out and, and all those things. And you got to bring it back together and shape it and then sharpen it, which is a painful thing. So I'm like, yeah, bring it on, hallelujah. 
No, that's a painful process. God uses the crazy to soften us, to shape us, but then to sharpen us and to, to make us into those destiny-equipped individuals that he made us to do, that he made us to be. A lot of people say, God, use me. God, use me. I want to be your servant. And then when he uses you, you say, I feel so used. <laughs> God, use me to speak your word. Imagine all the Old Testament prophets. 17-year-old dreamers. I'm going to go speak God's word and the people are throwing you in pits. And throwing you in cisterns and all kinds of stuff. And you're going, I didn't sign up for this. God's using the crazy to, to, to soften, to shape, and to sharpen us. We impress people with our strengths. But we connect with people through our weakness. God uses the broken moments. God uses the crazy to teach you of his faithful love. He's with you, but he allows you to go through it because he's, he's working in you an incredible weight of glory. God is working inside of you. He's, he's working the character of his son Jesus inside of us when we go through these moments. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And he guides us lovingly through the brokenness of a fallen world. I don't believe God creates the crazy or that God is even responsible for the crazy, but he uses it for his purpose. His purposes in us and his purposes for us. Right? God uses these, these moments to accomplish his will. And I want us to ask these questions. When we go through the crazy, we need to ask, is there a method in the madness? And is there purpose in this pain? Is there method in this madness? Is there purpose in this pain? What could God get out of this moment in me and, and, and around me? What could God get out of this moment. Because see, sometimes the way we respond to these crazy moments is we get really like bummed out and depressed and cynical and we sort of we sort of make it really inwardly focused. But we should say, God, what could you do out of this brokenness that would actually allow me to be more of who you made me to be? To be more like Jesus on the other side of crazy. God, how are you shaping me through this difficult time? One of the wisest things I ever heard was from a, a midwife. When Bethany and I were in Medford, and our, our midwife, her name was Augustine, and we were talking about childbirth, and Bethany wanted to have the baby without any medication. And I'm like, that's crazy. But she said, I want to do it. I don't want... I'm like, okay. If I had a baby, first of all, sorry, baby, that would be a weirdless baby. you know. But actually, I have babies, so maybe they're, they're pretty cute. But I'd be like, just numb me from here to there, you know? Whatever I can get. Bethany wanted to do it natural though. So we're talking about pain, pain management. We're there. And the midwife said something that always stuck with me. She said, pain is what we feel, but suffering is the story we tell ourselves about that pain. Pain is what we feel. Pain is what we are enduring. Pain is what we are experiencing in crazy moments. But suffering is the story we tell ourselves about that pain. In other words, when there's sickness, when there's uh, poverty, when there's brokenness, when there's crazy all around you, yeah, there's pain. But what could come out of this? What could be on the other side of this? If I tell myself a story, oh, it's all bad, it's all horrible, everything's going down. Now I'm creating suffering because I'm telling myself a story about this pain. What if I allowed God to tell the story about my pain? Think about Joseph. You can't make up a worse life than this. He's thrown in a pit. He's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused. Then he's thrown in prison. Then he's forgotten about. Everything continues to go horribly for Joseph, and yet he continues to tell himself a different story about that pain. He doesn't allow that pain to poison him. He allows that pain to bring purpose inside of him. 
And he takes the crazy and he says, no, God can do something through this in my life and in the world around me. And he finds himself a second in command in the land of Egypt. God, how are you shaping me through this difficult time? The story goes on for Joseph. Joseph is given a wife. He, he becomes a national hero. He saves the land of Egypt. He, he gets married. He has two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And all of a sudden, this famine that, that he had predicted, it comes. And now there's these seven years of famine, but they're prepared because of the wisdom that God exercised through Joseph. But the famine goes all the way up to the land of Canaan, and it gets to these, these men that are Joseph's brothers and Joseph's family, his father, and their, their group. And so they go down to Egypt. They get desperate. They go to Egypt to buy grain. And who do you think they encounter? They meet this man who's an Egyptian. They don't recognize him. They don't know who he is. They haven't seen their brother in years and years and years. And now here's Joseph, and he recognizes them, and this incredible drama plays out. They come, and Joseph doesn't reveal himself right away because there's still work that's happening in his heart of forgiveness, right? There's still work that's happening in his heart. I mean, you think about your brother sold you into slavery. But here he is, and he doesn't... Show, he doesn't play his hand, doesn't reveal who he is. The brothers come and they buy grain. And, and Joseph kind of messes with them a little bit. You need to go read the story. It's very interesting. He sends them off and he puts his silver cup in their, in their bag. And then he accuses them of stealing. And he's kind of messing with them a little bit, which is, which is fun. You know, you should do that because they sold you into slavery, right? And uh, finally, this, this incredible moment comes where they're all there. And it says in Genesis 45, verse 1, Joseph could stand it no longer because here's his brothers and all this pain and everything that's gone through his life. And he's, he's told a different story and he's, he's allowed God to bring purpose. And he said to all of his attendants, out, all of you. And he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. Tremendous understatement. Talked about David last week and how they wept until they could weep no more. It just doesn't really convey the right emotion in, in words like that. But here's Joseph, and he breaks down and wept, and it weeps, and it says he wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Number three is this, that God uses the crazy to position us for destiny moments. Here's Joseph, and he's come through all of this crazy journey of life. And right when he thinks he's arrived, he hasn't arrived. And then he he arrives in Potiphar's house, nope. He, he arrives in prison, nope. He's making the best out of every single situation he finds himself in. But the hand of God was there. God was with him in his pain. God was using the crazy. And God was positioning him for a destiny moment. Right now, everybody that's sitting here, maybe you've been a Christ follower for 25 years. God has led you to this moment. Maybe right now is the first time that you've been in church and you're just checking this thing out. 
God has brought you to this moment. He has led you and guided you through every moment, all the crazy, to bring you to a place where you can encounter him and see the seeds of destiny come to fruition. God uses the crazy to position us for destiny moments. Here's Joseph, and he's right here with his brothers, and he says, it wasn't you, it was God. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will neither be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. When you listen to the story of destiny that the Holy Spirit whispers to you in the moments of crazy, what you will hear is this. This is not purposeless pain. This crazy will not overwhelm you. Your life is built on the rock of Christ and he is positioning you to see what God wants to do in and through you in this life. The storms will come, but God will guide you to those moments of destiny. And here's Joseph and this beautiful moment of forgiveness and redemption and restoration and salvation. And it's a picture of Jesus. Because you see, Jesus went through a lot of crazy, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, but it was to position him for a destiny moment. So right there on that moment, At that moment on the cross, when Jesus hung between heaven and earth, and hell was laughing, thinking that it was the devil thought he'd won in that moment. All of a sudden, when Jesus gave himself up to the crazy for us and gave himself into the pain and the suffering, and heaven's greatest victory, God, in that one moment, was able to defeat death. And the gates of hell were kicked down, and Jesus walked through and said, Gotcha. Come on. Because God use the crazy to position even his son for a moment of destiny and salvation and redemption and restoration and forgiveness for you and I. Salvation could come because Jesus listened to the right story about what he was suffering. He was positioned in that moment. Joseph listened to the right story about his pain, about what he was going through. And he said in that moment, it dawned on him, don't be angry. God put me here to help you, to save you, to serve you. And they all wept together and cried together. He said, God is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. So hard for us to see the end from the beginning, isn't it? We just see the right here, the right now, the pain, the sickness, the death the strife in my marriage, whatever it is for you that's crazy. We don't, we look at it and we, we don't understand. But God knows the end from the beginning and if you'll give your life to Christ and you'll plant your life on him, he said his word, his promise is guaranteed. When the storms come, your house will stand. Even if you die physically, you will, death in the end will be defeated by the power of Jesus. Come on, resurrection life triumphs over death. That is the hope of our faith. The hope of our faith is life. Resurrection life. But even when our physical bodies fail, that we will be caught up in the clouds with Jesus and he will give us a new resurrected body and we will live forever. That's the hope of our faith. That even death itself in the end will be defeated. You cannot break a person whose life is built on Jesus. Joseph 
grabs his brothers and brings incredible redemption. God could be setting you up for incre something incredible. And I don't know what it is. Maybe the crazy that you're going through right now is your own fault. I've been there most of the time. The crazy that I go through is my own fault. But guess what? You can still give your life to Jesus and build your life on the rock and he will still be with you and walk you through and use even those mistakes and use even the failure and use even the brokenness inside of you to bring destiny moments of redemption and restoration and forgiveness. Come on, we don't need more perfect people in the world to represent Jesus. We need real people who are broken and say, look at what God has done in my life. Through this brokenness, he can use me, he can use you, he can help me, he can help you. God wants to position us for destiny moments. I'll leave you with this question as we finish today. What redemptive moment, what destiny moment is waiting on the other side of crazy? Because when we anchor ourselves to the hope of Christ, no matter what we're going through right now, we know that on the other side, God can use that for his purposes in us and for us. And that gives purpose to the pain. It gives meaning and method to the madness. Where it's not just all absurd and, and, and meaningless, but there's purpose inside of those moments. Would you join with me in prayer this morning? Father God, we lift up this message, this word. Pray God that it would deeply impact our hearts. That God, we would come to know in a real way that you're with us in the crazy. That you will never leave us nor forsake us. That God, there is nothing, neither height nor depth, that can separate us from your love. That God, even in the storms, there is peace that passes understanding because you are with us. That even as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff comfort us, you guide us words of life for our path. You are with us. God, we thank you for that. Lord, I lift up every every heart, every dear person here this morning that maybe is walking through moments of intense crazy, walking through moments of pain. And Lord, when we're in those moments, it's so hard to find purpose. Sometimes we can't even pray. Sometimes we can't even lift our, our hands to you, God. But I pray, Lord, that truth that you are with us would anchor into our hearts this morning. And God, it's truth that you're using these moments to, to soften and shape and sharpen us would, would, would come into our hearts, God. Lord, that you're setting us up for destiny moments. God, how much wisdom do you have that you can use the brokenness and fallenness and even our own mistakes to position us for, for great things, for moments of redemption, that, Lord, you are the one that brings light out of the darkness. You are the one that brings hope from despair. You are the one that brings dancing and joy from mourning and ashes. That, God, you can use the crazy and the brokenness. You use even those things to bring us to moments of destiny. Today is a moment of destiny. I pray for every person here, God, that we would see that and we would go hopeful, encouraged, and inspired by your Holy Spirit tell the right story about the pain and the crazy that, that we're going through. Be able to, to, to talk to others that maybe are going through things and encourage them. And not just give them religious platitudes, but speak words of purpose and life to them, encouragement and hope. Jesus, I pray that as we leave here, we would keep our life anchored to you. In the name of Jesus. This morning, just bow your head.